so glad to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. grateful to live in a nation where we can pray. <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to say, happy 4th of July. Aren't you glad to live in a nation where you and I can choose to praise and give God glory? Today we're going to continue our series that we started last week entitled In Pursuit and in light of the 4th of July where we celebrate our freedom, our independence from the tyranny of England and, and the different things that happened back in those days. Um, I want to try to dovetail this series with that being the backdrop. I did this in the first service, and um, <clears throat> the first service kept waiting for the punches, and so they kept holding me back with reserve. But, so I'm just going to let you know up front, this is going to be one of those. Right, I am fully. I, I brought enough amens for myself that that I'm fully prepared for us to to carry the weight of of this message this morning. On our Judah Church app, every single Sunday, I list all of my notes. And for those of you who need to, you know, you have an issue with focus, I, I even do fill in the blanks, you know, just for you to be able to type stuff, just to keep you motivated. And um, I'm the kind of guy that 99% of the time I will give you every fill in the blank because I know some of you will leave frustrated if I don't give you every answer. Um, and so uh, I, try to, I try to always do that. This, this will be one of those sermons, in my opinion, that you will want to reflect on um, and maybe go back and study and hear what the Lord is going to say. In, in the first service, I just, full, I just let me get you here, okay? In the first service, I had people stand up and walk out. And I'm okay with that. Um, my, my attempt to offend you is not my attempt. But I do want to confront because we have to decide what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is saying 
in our world today. And so at the point, here, here's what I always ask Holy Spirit to do when I get upset about something. Holy Spirit, help me to understand what you're saying to me as to why I got upset. I don't want anyone to, to walk out. I don't want anyone to get to the point to where you're upset, where you feel like you need to leave. But I also am the kind of person that I want you to know where I believe we should stand. And, and sometimes the greatest thing you can learn is what you don't want and where you shouldn't be as much as where you should. Yeah. 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 All right, I'm getting 46, so I'm to the place now in my life Okay, where truth is truth, and I understand that your blood is going to drip from my hands if I try to tickle your ear, and you're going to stand before God and go, he didn't say it, and I'm, I'm trying to eliminate that as much as possible in my life, so I'm trying to prepare you now, just so, you know, you can already be mad and decide if you need to leave before I get you mad, Hallelujah. And if you do get upset, listen, y'all, you're going to eat hot dogs and hamburgers tomorrow. And somebody said, praise God, hallelujah. And, and just take a firework, because baby, you're up there, man. Um, just take, take a firework and say, this is PG's head, and then just, you know, let it explode, and you'll be fine. It's Jesus is Lord, okay? I'm cutting it with, because I know this, this, there's a lot of emotion that can come with this. We find this in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 22. We're in this series entitled, In Pursuit. And the spiritual father, Paul, is admonishing his spiritual son, Timothy, in this letter saying this, Flee youthful lust. We talked about that last week. It's worthy of listening to, in my opinion. Flee youthful lust. There are some things you're too old to continue do. You're too old to still be doing some of the things, falling for some of the same old tricks. You're too old for that. You, you're too old to still be played like you're 15. You're too old for that. It's, it's worthy of a listen in my humble opinion. He says, in order for you to pursue some things, you've got to let go of these things. So flee youthful lust. And then look at it. The first thing he says is pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace with those who call on the Lord of a pure heart. Watch this. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Boy, we need this in America. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes knowing that the only thing that generates that, that was generated by that is strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all. Not just the ones you like, but gentle to all, to everybody. To be gentle to everybody and to not quarrel, but to be gentle to everybody, able to teach, patient, in humility. Watch this. Correcting those who are in opposition, if God will perhaps grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. I believe with all of my heart we need a revival in our nation, but the greatest revival we need is a revival of common sense. We need a revival of common sense. Somewhere along the way, we started calling wrong right and right wrong. We got to know the truth because it's that truth that makes us free. Watch this. That they may, over, they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken by him to do his will. Today, I want to focus for just a few minutes on us pursuing righteousness. Righteousness. He said to his spiritual son, Timothy, leave youthful lust, flee, run from it, and pursue righteousness. Righteousness. 
The question we have to answer first and foremost, ladies and gentlemen, is what is righteousness? And most often, the greatest way to understand what something is, is you must first understand what something isn't. So let me tell you what righteousness isn't. Number one, righteousness is not you being right. Right is not righteousness. Right is not righteousness. But the pursuit of every son of God, every daughter of God, must be one of the pursuit of not being right, of not having your rights. But ultimately, the pursuit of every child of God is the pursuit of righteousness. So the question is, what is righteousness? Well, righteousness is two words that have been put together. Number one, it is right. Okay? That word right, it means, I think I have it on the screen, it is moral correctness. That when I am right or I have a right, it is morally correct. In other words, divinity has moved into a place and given me a command of what it is. And that is what moral behavior of correct behavior is. Not political correctness, moral correctness. Right. But it's not limited to just correctness in terms of morality. But watch this. Righteousness is to have the nature of. So it doesn't mean I have the knowledge of it. I have to have the nature of it. Hang on with me, okay? When I am seeking righteousness, I am not seeking the right I'm seeking the nature of what is right. Are we okay? That when I come and I'm going after righteousness, what I'm doing is I'm not trying to find the answer. I'm trying to find the essence for why the answer is the answer. Righteousness. Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 17, look at the text. It says that he who speaks truth declares righteousness, but a false witness is de declaring deceit. That there is a difference between just having truth and having righteousness. Hang on. There's a difference between truth and righteousness, but they exist hand in hand with one another. So let me give you the difference real quick because I don't want you to mistake having truth for having righteousness. Truth is this. Truth is mental conformity to the fact or reality founded in God's perspective about the matter. Let me give it to you in the GIV version. Okay? Here's what that means. That means truth is God's opinion on any subject. Whatever God thinks about your marriage, that's the truth. Whatever God thinks about the way you do business is the truth. It's not your truth, it's not my truth, it's not a truth, it's not some truth. Whatever God's opinion is about any subject, that is what truth is. Truth is God's opinion on any matter. Watch this. When I embrace truth, I am becoming mentally conformed to what God's perspective is about that subject. So I give myself mentally to what God's opinion is about this subject, and that's me walking in truth. But when I walk in righteousness, it is not the conformity of my mind, but the conformity of my heart to the spirit of God's truth. Here's what that means. That means that when I'm walking in righteousness, I'm telling the Lord, I'm so grateful you have the right to make the final decision. Yeah. 
And so whatever your final decision is, Lord, give me the spirit and the heart to conform to what it is you think I should do about my marriage, what you think I should do about my child, what you think I should do about my job situation, what you think I should do about my singleness. I want to have the heart for the spirit. I want to have a heart conformity for the spirit of God's truth. Righteousness. Truth is God's opinion about any subject. Righteousness is when I embrace it and I allow it to become my identity because that's what he thinks about it. But where we gain our righteousness is very important. For the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 that our righteousness is as of filthy rags. Okay? You can be righteous. You can have righteousness. But your righteousness is raunchy. I couldn't say that in 830 because they saved. But some of y'all hadn't read that far in the book yet. Your righteousness still hadn't met tide. Your righteousness has been out in the yard after a rainstorm wallowing around everywhere. My righteousness, watch this, it can cover my heart, but just because it's covered doesn't mean it's clean. It may cover, but it's not clean. My righteousness is like a filthy rag. That's why Paul told the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, that when you put on the armor of God, one of the things you have to put on, this is God's armor, it is a breastplate of righteousness. So you and I have a choice. We can have a rag or we can have a breastplate. To cover our heart. One will cover you but will not protect you. The other will cover you and help you to continue to live. You, you, you can have a rag of righteousness over your heart but it's not going to stop the bullet. But you can have God's righteousness over your heart and there's no weapon that will be formed against you that can take you out. Because your heart has been covered by God's righteousness over your life in the vital areas. Righteousness of God. Interesting. Because we find out in Deuteronomy chapter 32 verse 4 that he is righteous. It's not like he has righteousness. He is righteous. The Bible tells us in Psalm chapter 48 verse 10 that not only is he righteous, but his right hand is filled with righteousness. In other words, it is his essence, but it is also in his hand to give and distribute. In Psalm 119, verse 142, the Bible says that this righteousness is an everlasting righteousness. In other words, he has a righteousness that cannot run out. 
In Psalm 145, verse 17, the Bible says that the Lord is righteous in every single one of his ways. There is not one way that God works that doesn't have righteousness attached to it. In Psalm 97, verse number 6, he's got so much righteousness that the heavens sing and make declaration of how righteous God is. The heavens declare the righteousness of God. In Isaiah chapter 51, verse number 8, the Bible tells us that this righteousness, it will endure forever and it will go from generation to generation. In other words, righteousness is not a 1970 issue. It's not a 1980 issue only. It's not a 1990 issue only. It's not a 2000 issue only. It's not a 2010 issue only. It's not a 2020 issue. It's not a 2050 issue. It is available and it has been given from generation to generation to generation to generation. And one of the great challenges of our day is not just to instill salvation to the generation coming, but you and I at some point have got to raise the standard of what righteous living is, what righteous acts is that are pleasing to the Lord has got to be passed too. It's got to be passed too. Especially in the Christian homes of the United States, we try to model salvation, but there at some point we have to elevate and begin to model righteousness. In Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 24. Huh, okay, this one messed with me. I gotta be honest, it messed with me. God exercises. Now that's very disturbing for fat boys like me. But God exercises. Like you're all powerful, you're all knowing, and you're everywhere, but you also exercise. I feel like Jim Carrey in Ace Ventura. I have exercised the demon. <laughs> you know, so, sorry. It's for all my middle-aged people. He exercises. What does he exercise? He exercises love and kindness. He exercises judgment. And look at it. He exercises righteousness. Not just in heaven, but he works it out in earth. What's so amazing about him is that while he's working it out on the earth, he also delights in it. One of the things that brings him joy is when righteousness is in the earth. So here we are, July 3rd, 2022. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, watch this. Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach on all people. It, it's not right that exalts a nation. It's not rights that exalts a nation. It is someone or some people who is willing to carry the nature and the essence of God's perspective in the earth that will take a nation from where it is to where God desires it to be. 
We are not void of right and wrong in our nation. We are not fighting for rights in our nation. What the sons and daughters of God must fight for is righteousness. Because it is righteousness that will bring the nation to the place we all want it to get. But we're so hell-bent on being right, we forsake our righteousness. We're so hell-bent on having rights that we forsake our righteousness. Oh, I didn't have time in the 8.30. I don't have an 11.30, so I'm going to flow here. Here's the problem. You're more American than you are Christian. Or somehow the enemy has warped your thinking to think that God is an American. Can I tell you something? God is a king. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. The kingdom suffereth violence. And the violent... And we're running around trying to be right. When God is looking to put power and authority into the righteous. For the effectual fervent prayer of a. It. Oh God have mercy. It avails much. That word in the Hebrew avail. It means to force. That word much in the Hebrew means uncommon things. Uh, the reason why we are not seeing uncommon things forced into our nation right now is because God's looking for people not to just pray, but to be righteous enough to have an effective prayer life that when you pray in the effectual way, it forces uncommon things to show up in the... But it requires the essence of God being revealed, not just my moral correctness. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach on all people. Look at Acts chapter 10, verse 32. The writer says this, But in every nation, look at the conditions, who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The reason our nation will be accepted by God is if there is once again a reverential awe for who he is. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. God, I'm getting old. I can tell I'm getting old. There was a day you didn't even walk into church if you didn't have your act together. You just knew that God was going to come down and strike you. And if he didn't strike you, one of the church mothers would. See, some of y'all come from... Uh, I need to, some of y'all don't come from the right church. I understand. But there was a day, listen, God was, your spirit man was checking you at the door and the mothers were checking you at the door too. Come on, come on. Because there was a reverential eye. I remember my mama would tell me, especially when I was doing stupid things growing up, my mama would tell me, hey, I left something in the church. Can you go get my whatever from the, she sat on the third row. And guess where I sat? on the third row right beside her so she could in the middle of the preaching lift her arm and get me and twist and pinch every see some of y'all don't understand y'all have not been abused enough that's what the problem is come on 
Come on. Y'all, y'all, y'all came from the timeout generation. I came from the knockout generation. God have mercy, Jesus. I came from, uh, y'all came from the, uh, you are, oh God have mercy. You are innocent until proven guilty generation. I came from you are guilty until you're proven innocent generation. And then they hold, the, every mother in the church would take turns swinging on you. I got beat by five people every Sunday. I remember one time my mama dragging me out of church. God, I need to shut up. I remember my mama dragging me out of church, and I knew she didn't have a belt. And I, listen, I used to, she used to always make me wear a belt to church, but I wouldn't wear a belt to church because I knew she'd beat me with it by the time the service was over with. So my mama would get a shoe. She would get a drop. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. She'd get a ruler. She'd get a drop cord. She believed that God could turn anything into a, a rod to not spoil the child with. I remember one day I was acting a fool in church. She was dragging me right down the center aisle. That's why we don't have a center aisle today. Because I still have PTSD from those, those generations. And I remember I'm walking right down the center aisle. I said, pray church, she's going to kill me. Pray church, she's going to kill me. She did too. She, she beat me to death. And then resurrected me by the power of the blood of Jesus. And ain't nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. I'm fine, y'all. I'm fine. It's all good. It's all good. But she would send me in the church late at night with all the lights off. Oh, the devil is alive. I mean, you know, I, I, you, I started, oh, God, I was praying in the Holy Ghost, doing everything. God, don't strike me dead walking in here to get the keys. And as soon as I would find whatever she needed, boom, I'm out the door as quickly as possible. There was a reverential awe. Coming to the house of the Lord with no coffee. Oh, they got quiet in here then, didn't they? Come on, we didn't bring our Mountain Dew up in here. Don't be looking at people's feet around you. Calm down. Some of y'all trying to be Pharisaical, huh? Huh? What you drinking over there? Huh? Well, you you didn't do it. You were scared. You was you you had an awe of the Lord. You didn't have time to be entertained. We were entertaining Him. And the nation that is willing to have a reverential awe will find themselves accepted in the beloved. It's one thing to be in it. It's another thing to be accepted or feel accepted in it. And could it, oh, God have mercy. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Could it be the reason why we continually bump from church to church to church, trying to find a place where we're accepted, is because we're trying to be accepted by people that we'll never stand in front of. We've lost our reverential awe of who he is, and we wonder why we don't feel accepted. Thank you, Holy Spirit. But not only fear the Lord, but also work in righteousness. Righteousness. The greatest motto you can ever give your kid is not that you're always right, but that you always seek to be righteous. They used to make this statement in early on in marriage that says you can be right or be happy. I don't want to be right. I don't want to just be happy. I want to be righteous. I want my kids to one day when they're standing in front of my casket, which by the way, I'm going to be cremated. I'm going to be cremated and I've asked my wife to get a jar to put me in and I want my face engraved on that jar and I'm going to keep it in her bedroom staring at the bed. <laughs> Always watching. Always. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid so stupid if you knew the things I didn't say if you just knew the things I didn't say I want my kids to be sitting at my funeral 
and say he was not a perfect anything. But man, my dad, he tried to live righteous before the Lord and us. Righteousness has to be our standard, not being right. Sitting there screaming, I don't know why, I didn't do this in the first service. Sitting there screaming and yelling at each other. Your whole, all your kids are listening. I don't care how many video games they got on. And you're screaming for being right. You're fighting for being right. You're about to divorce over being right. When the standard is not being right, it's being righteous before God. That's the standard. Righteousness is when you get into acceptance. So, how do I pursue righteousness? How do I pursue righteousness? I'm teaching today. How do I pursue righteousness? How do I pursue it? Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Not for being right. Not even for having rights. But blessed those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled with righteousness. Interesting. Hunger. Hunger is a picture of your belly. We talk about hunger pains and we, we naturally gravitate to the human part of the body of our belly, our stomach. And the reason why we gravitate towards our stomach as the place where we hunger is because scripturally out of your belly shall flow rivers of There is a flow. It is a picture of your spirit man. And there must be a hunger in your spirit man for righteousness. Because if you allow the desire, the appetite of your spirit man to come to the forefront of your life, there is an infilling of righteousness that will be released into it. But the problem is we give our hunger to everything that will not create righteousness and we wonder why it doesn't flow from us. But I believe the heart of God for this moment is to pull you and me and those listening to understand that our spirit man has to be the thing. We are driven by hunger. We are driven by our desires, our inward man desires. It, hunger will make you do things you never dreamed you would do. Hunger will make you go after things that you never dreamed you would go after. Hunger, it is the desire for hunger. It'll make you sell things. It'll make you leave things. It'll make you do things. It'll make you walk away and walk into because you have this insatiable desire. Every mother, every father under the sound of my voice knows that the greatest thing that is the most difficult to know is that our children are hungry. And the reason why is because hunger is one of the most powerful reactions of our body to the circumstances and the situations of our day and what it represents is your spirit man yearning for something new yearning for something that will actually fill you and if you and I can get to the place to allow our spirit man to listen to the news not our ears not our emotions not our mind, but if we'll allow the news media to be navigated and filtered through our spirit man, we'll see 
what's really happening. Not the propagate they're giving us. When we allow our spirit man to navigate our our social media, we will scroll quicker and we will defriend and unfollow quicker. When we're led by our spirit man that's hungering for righteousness. When you hunger, when your spirit man hungers for righteousness, your spirit man will be filled. Your belly will be filled with it. In contrast, he says, they that hunger and thirst. Uh, While one is about your inward man, your belly, the other one is a picture of your mouth. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. You ready to get mad? Here we go. If we're thirsting, see, there's way too many thirsty people in our our culture. You're thirsty. But the problem is you're not thirsting for righteousness. We're thirsting to be right. We're thirsting to be seen. We're thirsting to be famous. We're thirsting to be acknowledged. We're thirsting to be rich. But the thirst of our mouth should be one of righteousness. Not right or rights, but righteousness. It is quiet in this Holy Ghost filled church. But the problem is, we're not filled with righteousness because we can't find it in our mouths. I, I look at your tweets, and does it speak righteousness or right? It got quiet in this Holy Ghost-filled church. I'm going to eat so good in a few minutes. Because it's about being righteous before the Lord. This is why the psalmist said this, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable oh God my strength depending on what translation my rock and my redeemer the belly and the tongue have to come together in pursuit for us to have righteousness we have to pursue it with our belly and our tongue I had to make this palatable for me on a very personal level so here's the way the Lord gave it to me to say Pursuing righteousness requires both my ask and my actions. It's not enough to ask for righteousness. I have to begin to make righteous acts. It's not enough for me to act righteous and my words be contrary. But my words, my ask and my actions have to come together in pursuit for righteousness to be filled in my life. For righteousness to be filled in my life. righteousness to exalt this nation if sister Rena was in here she would go ahead and precursor this it's about to be tight but it's about to be right just Nick throw up that image the first one Over the last two weeks, a very powerful thing took place in our nation. 
very powerful thing took place in our nation. The Supreme Court of our land made the determining factor that it is not the federal government's place to make decisions about a woman's life or the life inside of a woman. That it is none of the federal government's business that it should be left up to each individual state to make those determinations. Very powerful thing took place. Supreme Court of our nation made the decision that it was overreach to federalize abortion and mandated across the entire United States of our nation. Over the last two weeks, it has been amazing to watch the perspective of people. Pro-choice, pro-life. Who's right and who's wrong? You overturned it, now we're right. You're making decisions for my body. Now you're wrong. Pro-choice, pro-life. You are now not just making me right and you wrong, or you right and me wrong. Now you're infringing upon my rights as a woman. While the other side is saying, for 49 years, you have been removing the rights of this little one on the inside of you. For two weeks now, is fighting for this right? are fighting for that right? Is it fighting for his or her rights? Or are we fighting for the mother's rights? Right and rights. To, to the point to the point to where some of my colleagues, people who are in the church world, church leadership, have made some of the most asinine and ridiculous statements. Yeah. Like, if you're a Democrat, you're not saved. So, so, so what you're saying is, that the only people who have a chance to make it to heaven is Republicans. Well, I'm not sure I want to go there. That every Democrat is so progressive and is so liberal that they have no regard for the text of God in any part of their life. You moron. 
Not because you called it out. But because somewhere along the way, you thought it was smart to sit in the seat that judges. And that it ain't going to come back on you in some way. I'm going to let you in on a secret. I don't want to be the judge. Because I'd have killed just I, Thanos. I would have been inevitable. And then I would have inevitabled myself. Other colleagues of mine, even in this city, I have their numbers. I would call them friends. Made statements like, if your church didn't celebrate last Sunday, you need to leave your church. What are you doing? You're buying in to right and rights when the standard is neither, it's righteousness. Now, I've talked about my colleagues, now let's talk about the moment it came out. I've got about five of you in this room. I've asked the social media team to grab your Facebooks. And so we're going to throw those up real quick. Because it's easy for you to have digital courage when you're not facing somebody. Oh, it got, uh-huh, you got nervous, didn't you? Because some of you know I'll do it. Daggum, I, that's country, sorry. Daggum, I'll do it. I will. Because they told us that if you don't give your opinion on your social media, let us know who you're for and who you're against because we want to know if you're right or you're wrong. But at what point are the sons and daughters of the king not interested in being politically correct but morally correct by the way of the essence of him that dwells on the inside of us called righteousness? So, oh, all right, I'm going here, okay? You just, it's, it's about to get worse, okay? I am, I, I, am a, I am a processor by nature, by temperament. You go down the line, okay? I do not do well when you tell me what to do. Now, if you ask me, I'll give you the whole world. But if you come over here and tell me something, don't you, don't you tell me what to do. You ain't my mama. And even if you are my mama... <laughs> I got too many bills for you to roll up in here and tell me what to do. Stop paying a few. And then I might let you have a say. Maybe. I get all this political pressure to make my opinion known. Hear me. See, the power of this moment right here, and this is where people had to make decisions, okay? The power of this moment right here is sometimes it's just as powerful to realize where you, you shouldn't be. Yeah. 
than where you should be. And I'm just going to let you, as the one that will stand before God for what happens at 12615 Steel Creek Road. Listen, we, Judah Church will respond to this moment. We will not react to it. If you need emotion and post, I'm not your guy. Because I want to be marked by God, not marketed by man. It sent us as a team, as a leadership, as an eldership into a how are we going to respond to this moment. And I'm here to respond, not react. That's why I didn't say, I said very little last Sunday. And it's still going, okay? And that's cool. But we're going to respond to the moment. We're not going to react to it. I'm not getting caught up in all the drama. I've been brought to the kingdom. You and I have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. God knew this was going to happen. And he laid it before our feet to make a choice on how we were going to respond. And if your post is all you're going to do, then you have missed the potency of the moment that we have in the earth. If all you're going to do is like or hate, if all you're going to do is be right or be wrong, be, be, be worried about the, the woman's rights or the baby's rights, you've missed the power of bringing a righteousness of God in the earth that will bring the nation up. Go, go back to the image for me, Nick. When you see this image, where does your eyes go? 99% of the people, it goes in this direction. Huh, we beat them, kicking them out of our city. They out of here in the state. Ah, it's about being right. It's about being right. God, they're ruining us. It's about being wrong. Our eyes gravitate towards this sign, and we go, rights of the child. Or it goes, rights of the mother. I don't believe righteousness looks in that direction. I believe righteousness, its gaze is fixed in another place. Righteousness is not looking at where she's walking in. Righteousness is looking through the lens of a loving God who says, not only is this my child, but so is the one walking in thinking she's hopeless. She's helpless. There's nothing for me to do, so I choose death so that I can survive. We're not responding to the sign. Righteousness demands what do we do for her and what God has allowed to be conceived within her. So I'm going to let you know. This is how Judah is responding. And we are responding to this moment 
in very four strategic ways, which is really three strategic ways, but in one of them is through two partnerships. We're responding. And I wasn't bringing this before you until I had the answers. And I had, or not even the answers, the direction. Number one, the closest pregnancy, crisis pregnancy center, closest to 12615 Steel Creek Road, is called the Palmetto Women's Center. It is the closest crisis pregnancy, and we are going to adopt this pregnancy center. And if they need diapers, we're getting them diapers. They need bottles, we're getting them bottles. They want to have a baby shower, we're getting them a baby shower. They need a crib, we're getting them a crib. Listen, and I'm not asking, I'm not going to take a, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Y'all, I mean, y'all should, those of you that know me, you know me. I mean, we, I'm going to tell you what we did. And you could jump on board and you could be a part of that. See Pastor Chris, Pastor Nick, and, and you can help run point on some of these things. But whatever this mother needs to know that she has hope, if she needs a church to sponsor her, we're going to love the hell out of that girl. So, I mean, we're going to love the heaven into that girl. I'm serious. I'm not, I'm not being coy. I'm, not being, I'm serious as a heart attack. She is under the impression that the only thing she has is to choose death. And I'm going to let you know, I've been around enough people, enough ladies who have made that decision in one of the greatest tragedies and, and struggles of their life. And I watch the shame that they carry. I watch the regret they have carried. After the first service, I had one of them who is one of my closest, dearest comrades in this congregation come up with tears in my eyes and say, Pastor, every time we have a conversation like this, it reminds me. And every time I do that, I look at her and I say, Honey, you got to remember this thing, that before that baby was formed in your womb, it was already established. It was already known. It may not have made it into the earth, that child, but that child is waiting on you in heaven because it is an eternal being and there will be a reunion some way. I understand, but we're going to respond. And we're going, I'm telling you, whatever they need, whatever they need, that's what we're going to do. What's what we're going to do? That is what we are going to do to make sure that this mother that chooses life understands that there is a people that are going to partner with her and there will be no shame. We ain't going to walk around going, oh, this is our special project. The devil is a lie. Half of us in this room are special. And some of you are looking around, but I'm talking to you. Because I was talking to me first. Number one, we're going to adopt the Palmetto Women's Center and whatever they need. For them to be able to choose life, that's how we're going to respond. Number two, there's a ministry. The, the closest abortion clinic to our, to our area has attached a ministry beside of it called Love Life. Love Life. I got to be honest, they gave this to Pastor Nikki to give to me because, they, because we're, we've been preparing for you. And when Pastor Nikki put this thing in my hand, yeah. Yeah. it just about wrecked me. But I have no condemnation. I have no condemnation. There's no shame. Many people under the sound of my voice. Before this week is over with, there'll be a quarter of a million people that will have heard this message. And I have to believe there's at least one or two that the enemy would try to use this moment as to bring shame into his or her life. 
we choose righteousness today, even if we didn't choose righteousness back in the day. So we have four. This partner is called Love Life. They do a prayer march. They do a, it's not even a march. It's a prayer walk. It's worship for a while, and then it's a prayer walk. And they walk around right in front of the abortion clinic on Saturdays. We have four scheduled that we're going to do as a family. We're going to walk. We're going to pray. it. We're going to be joined with other ministries and other people in our cities. And we're going to walk and we're going to pray. Not throwing shade. I'm not getting up here doing protests. Ain't nobody got time for that. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not some little thing we're holding up. But it's mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. We're going we're gonna to weaponize prayer. And we're going to pull down this thing of hopelessness, this thing of brokenness, this thing of helplessness, this perpetuation of death, this infocide of our nation. Righteousness is going to avail through prayer. So we have four days that we're going to sit and we're going to walk. And the ministry that we partner with, here's why we're partnering with them. Number one, we get to pray. And that's important, but sometimes that's not enough. While we're praying and we're believing God and we're, we're decreeing the decrees of God and we're prophesying over this thing, over this city and over these seasons and over these women that are coming through, as they're being led in, as they're driving in, this particular ministry that we partner with, they have sonograms in mobile units. And they're looking at these ladies that are making, trying to make a decision on whether they're going to choose life or not. And they're looking at them saying, hey, why don't you come in here? Let me show you. Let, hear the heartbeat for a minute. I want to show you the sonogram. There's a baby. This is life on the inside of you, not a mistake for you. Give you a choice. So while we're praying and we're believing, they're actually putting some action to it. We're asking, and they're putting the action to it to give them a chance. Four times we're going to join with them between now and December. Number three and four, we're partnering with Defend the Fatherless and Fostering the Family, which is the North Carolina and South Carolina foster care system. And I'm calling for the Spirit of God to speak to this house, that the spirit of fostering would be awakened in us. These babies are going to be born, and we're going to trust the system to train them in the way they should go. There are people that will be under the sound of my voice, either in this room, watching online, or listening later, that have been asking God to give them a child. Maybe he has already birthed one. And ladies, let me incentivize you. This child comes with no stretch marks. Trying to break the tension because I know what I'm confronting. I'm, trying to, I'm asking God to awaken the foster system in this house. One of the greatest joys of my life is when we do child dedications and we have to blur the screen on live stream. Nate is in this room. Jason and Jim were in the first service. And I know there are many others. And I know God's speaking right now to several people as well in this moment. That he would awaken a spirit of fostering in this, a spirit of adoption. We've been adopted. We've been grafted. We might as well bring. I don't trust the system to train them in the way they should go. And if it's not going to be righteous men and women, who will it be? 
could it be that if we reach them as a child, we won't have to rescue them as a teenager? Could it be? Come on, Antoine. I know this is a heavy message. I was sitting with M, M and, and, and I, we, we've been spending a lot of time together just kind of driving and just processing. Because we have to count the cost. But we have a business meeting on, on Wednesday and you'll hear a lot of details about what's coming. But I'm here to tell you, if I don't build that building, or that building that's out there on those pictures because we're busy buying cribs I'm okay with that yeah. Yeah. I'll do five services instead of three right. if it means that we're, we're giving cribs we're giving life we're sustaining life and I don't want to hear your mouth because half of you come to one Sort of. Em and I were riding down the road. We've just been spending a lot of time together the last two weeks through this process. I just have to get away from the media and hear what God is saying to the moment. Holy Spirit, what would you have us do? She made a very profound statement because I, I, it's just who we are. So I don't think about it. It's, nor, it's, my, it's our normal. We've brought kids into our home and live with us virtually all your life. My son is the firstborn biological. But I don't know that you've spent one day without somebody living. I mean, a stinking bed, bunk bed is where it started. We were youth pastors, and this single mom sat down with me. She looked at me, and she said, Glenn, I need you to take my daughter. This is about the time Noah's very young, if he's even born. I need you to take her. She's strung out on drugs. Learning disability, failed all of her classes. Battling same-sex attraction. The single mom was at her wit's end, did not know what to do. So the only answer she said was, please take her. Got lawyers. We did everything we, need, we needed to do to be able to facilitate. You'll be mine. Had no idea what it was like to sit at a table with a family and have dinner together. She's, she's dropping, she, we, we couldn't, we had to figure out how we were gonna do the living situation. Ended up buying bunk beds for, for Noah. Noah sleeping on the bottom bunk and our oldest daughter at that time, even today I'll call her my daughter, sleeping on the top bunk. Out of the top bunk is rolling drugs underneath Noah's bed. My, my, my biological son, is arm length away from stuff that would kill him 
if he grabbed it. Because we had a God said. Strung out on drugs, battling same-sex attraction, learning disability, failing all of her classes in four months in a house that will serve the Lord. She went to the president's list, I mean the principal's dean's list or whatever you call it, all A's and B's, turned around, her, her, her mind got turned around, her, her addictions got broken, the, I mean everything that the enemy was trying to put by way of stronghold was broken off of her life. And then she got arrogant because now she knew what blessing felt like. And then she thought it was her, not the God in her. So she ran prodigal living for years. I would go, middle of the night, I'd go grab her. Middle of the night, I'd bring her back into the house. Middle of the night, I, I, there, there were seasons even early on at this church, when we were playing in this church, where I would have to branch out and I would go in the middle of the night on a Saturday and get her out of things she shouldn't be involved in and then have to get up on Sunday morning and, and operate and function as we're trying to birth this church. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and he said, Glenn, stop getting her. And I said, Lord, what are you talking about? I'm her father. There's nothing you wouldn't do for me. There's nothing I won't do for her. I love her as if she's mine. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said something to me that changed my life. He said, son, prodigals need pig pens. And before she's willing to waller and then come to herself, you keep pulling her out. Stop it. And for years, we had to do this. Fast forward to just a couple weeks ago, one of the greatest Father's Days that I can remember in a very long time. After years of no talking, after years of broken relationship, sitting right over there at the 10 o'clock service about where M is right now. She comes sliding in the back door, sits on the back row. By the end of worship, has both hands lifted, worshiping the Lord. In between the second going to the third service, she pulls me, she pulls me back into my office, and we begin to talk, and restoration comes on Father's Day. We go to lunch together. We eat sushi, by the way. She even pays for the meal. I'm telling you, God is miracle working. I mean, wonders to perform. I said, if I'd have known you were going to pray, I'd have ordered more. I mean, you pay, you were going to order more. Because prodigals need pig pens. I will arise and go back to my father's house. Story after story. Our, our newest Chisholm. Most of you have not met Chisholm. Six foot ten. Nigerian prince. Hey, Paul. And he's supposed to be here sometime this summer. He's at Grambling. Doing his thing about to graduate. All of our lives. Child in need. Not on our watch. And it's not just me and him. It's what Noah. It's what McKinney. It's what we do. It's what we do. 
It's what we do. I'm mad at you. Some of you will get this. Others of you will not. Those of you who don't tan. I told, I told Chiz, I said, I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm upset with him. He's been at Grambling for three years now. And all I've asked him for for three years is a proud parent of an HBCU t-shirt. Can you imagine all the looks I would get? And that's what I want. I want proud, I mean, my God, putting you through this junker, let me wear my badge, man. Let me wear my badge. It's one of the greatest joys of my life. If you've checked out our website, you can see Chisholm. Good Lord, it's abundantly clear. We all feel like Lord Farquhar to him. Some of y'all didn't get that, but others of you. <laughs> so stupid, so stupid. <laughs> There's such joy in giving yourself to change someone's life. And the reason why I can easily say that is not because I've done it, but because I've received it. For a while, we were yet sinners. He gave his only biological son so that he could call all the rest of us his. And today, I'm asking the Spirit of the Lord to stir the gift of foster in this house. I'm asking the Spirit of God. When I was praying for this, uh, this moment on Friday, the Holy Spirit spoke to me very directly. He said, he said, son, there are some that have been asking me for a child. And this is a moment where I'm trying to give you your next. For some, maybe even your first. Now, I didn't watch anybody get up and walk out. So either you're just waiting for me to pray. Or you, you hear the heart, not the mental conformity. I want the Spirit of God to speak on how you, your house, me and my house, and then us as his house is to respond to a moment just like this in the earth. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Righteousness exalts a nation. Y'all, we're not going to get wrapped up in right and wrong. We're not going to get wrapped up in the debates of rights. Sons and daughters of God have to walk righteous 
for the Lord because it is righteousness that will take this nation to where God wants it to be. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your goodness today. Thank you for the testimonies of even the miracles earlier today that we have celebrated. Now, Spirit of God, speak for your servants are listening. What, Holy Spirit, shall we do in our pursuit of righteousness with what you've laid before us today by the way of your word? You've called us, you've summoned us, you've brought us here. This message has landed in season. Lord, some of it is required action. Some of it is required giving. Some of it is required doing. Some of it is required registering. Some of it is required fostering. Some of it is required adopting. Some of it is required praying. Some of it is required prayer walking. Some of it is required being a support. Some of it is, I don't know what it is that you're requiring, Lord, but whatever it is, we say in this house, here are we, send us. It's our heart's cry. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Can you just slip up your hands all over this room and just honor the king? Just honor the king. Just honor the king of every king. The Lord of every Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We ask you, Lord, to silence the mouths of the adversary that would try to rob the righteous moment this is. We rebuke, Lord, the spirit of division that would try to compromise what it is that you're speaking by way of the spirit of unity in this moment, oh God. Thank you for the privilege of going into the highways and the hedges to be a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden. Thank you, God, that you have called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. So we stand. We stand boldly. We stand firmly in the faith. We thank you for the breastplate of righteousness that is a shield over our heart today, knowing that, that no weapon that has been formed is able to prosper. We honor you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I pray, God, that righteousness would come into our nation again. That there would be a righteous people that would walk holy and blamelessly before you today, oh God. I pray that you would awaken this place to be a place where beacons of righteous living, righteous men, righteous women, righteous sons, righteous daughters, righteous families, righteous single people, righteous young people, righteous old people, righteous married people, righteous what poor people, righteous rich people, righteous in-between people. Lord, just raise us to be your people that will bring uh, glory and acceptance to your name. It is our heart's cry. It's our heart's cry. Father, we pray for every fearful, broken, helpless, hurting lady today that feels like her only option and alternative is death. Lord, I pray that you would bring beacons of life and beacons of light out of this house to let that daughter know she is not alone. To let that daughter know that there is a help that cometh from the Lord and is made manifest in the earth through Judah Church in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina. God, make us to be bold ambassadors, not just of truth, but of grace and of truth. We thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. 
in Jesus' name. Stand with me all over this room this morning. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Prayer team, I'm going to ask you to move right here. Just move just quickly, quickly, quickly. If you're here today, if you're here today and you need prayer, before you leave this place, don't leave without somebody touching and agreeing with you. You heard in the middle of worship that God is breaking, he's, he's pulling cancer out of people. He's delivering people that this is a season where healing is being released through this house and in this house. I don't care what it is, God is able to heal. He is the God that healeth all our diseases according to scripture. And if you're sick in your body, you're, you're sick in your mind, you're worried, you've got depression, you're, you're battling anxiety, I don't care what it is. It's a financial, I don't know what it is, an emotional, intellectual, relational. Before you leave this place, I encourage you to stop by one of our prayer team members and let them pray the prayer of faith with you and believe for miracle territory to be released in your life. If you're in this room today and you're a prodigal, and you've realized that you've stumbled in out of a pig pen into a moment where you can come to your father's house. Today is the day of salvation. Make the choice. And you say, I don't know if I'm ready. Hear me this morning. You don't get clean and come to God. But when you come to God, uh-oh, won't he make you clean? You don't get fixed and then come to God. You come to God just like you are, and he will make all things new. Call number three and finally, pull that down just a little bit for me. If you're in this room this morning and the enemy has tried to rob you of the purity of this righteous moment by throwing shameful things of your past before you, there's two things I want to say to you. Number one, the devil is a lie. The devil is a lie. And he is an accuser. The good news is he's a lie. So everything he says, the opposite is your reality. The devil is a lie. Number two, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Shame is not a gift of the Spirit. Now conviction, he'll do. Today before you leave this place, not only do I have prayer team members sitting up here, but I ask our counselors to come and be in part of both the services today. And maybe you've been holding it and not been able to walk in freedom because you can't forgive you even if God did. There are some times you can pray and it's done. And then there are some times that it's a process that you have to walk into your healing. And our counselors are up here at this front as well. Dr. Tim and Cheryl, right on the far end, to my far right. And if you just need to walk through the process of healing, That's what they're here for. Don't let the enemy rob this purity of this righteous moment by trying to throw shade. 
And I will say to you, just in case you didn't hear me, just in case you didn't hear me in the middle of my speech, that baby is an eternal being. Before he or she was formed in your womb, God had already known him or her. And though it may, he or she may not have made it into this earth, good God, when we get to heaven, he or she's going to make it back into your arms. Because that's just how good of a God is that we serve. So I rebuke the spirit of condemnation that would try to sit and rob every daughter and son of the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And if you need strength and help walking through the process of that healing, thank you, Holy Spirit. Nobody knows. Just hear the Lord saying in this moment that there, you're, you're in relationship and it happened even before the relationship. Nobody knows. You've been carrying it all this time. There's healing for you today. There's, there's the process of healing being revealed to you today. Whoever that's for, I just know that was the, the voice of the Lord speaking to my heart. It's there. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of being in a nation that has the chance for righteousness to exalt it. I thank you, Lord, that we are a people that have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. And I thank you, Lord, that you are bringing your will to be in the earth through righteous men and women. According to Deuteronomy 1.11, increase us a thousand times more than what we are. And I ask you, Lord, to fulfill every promise you've given us. In the name of the Father, and in the freedom that comes from the Son, and the power of the Spirit of God, we ask these things. Lord, bless every cheerful giver and steward of you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Two things before you leave. Two things before we leave this morning, this evening, this morning, this afternoon. I don't know what time it is.